Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Security, power, glory, and pleasure. These are things that people strive for. Wars are fought for security, power, and glory. And those who have obtained that security, if they are not interested in the sacrifices that are necessary for power and glory, often seek to distract themselves with pleasure. People at their base are never satisfied. Right now we can see the pursuit of security, power, and glory on the world stage. Russia is fighting to increase their borders in order that they would have more perceived security from their enemies. Russia also seems to be fighting for power and glory on the world stage. Ukraine is fighting for their lives against a Goliath of a foe in order that they would return to peace. The nations of the world watch closely, for with this battle, a lot is at stake. Most of the world's nations have allies on one side or the other of this battle, and who knows what could happen if things escalate. In all of this turmoil, the church remembers the word of Jesus. Jesus tells his church in Luke 21, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places, famines and pestilences. There will be terrors, There will be great signs from heaven. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up, raise your heads. Your redemption is drawing near. You see, Christians are not here on this earth to compete for security, power, glory and pleasure in things that we know will pass away. No, the Christian's home is in heaven with Jesus where God's perfect love will drive out all fear and all that is left will be perfect peace and unity between God and man. That is why Jesus came. He came to take away the sin that leads man to hate God and neighbor. The Christian remains in this fallen world to share this good news. That others who live in this fallen world could join us to be with Jesus one day in paradise. So as we see war, or God forbid, are even called to duty to fight. We are ultimately praying that these evils would be used by our God 
so that others would come to know Jesus, to know him by faith. We pray this for our allies, and as Christians, our Lord even calls us to pray this for the salvation of our enemies, who at times we may be called to fight against for the protection of those whom God has put under our care. As Christians, we indeed, no matter where we live, live in a foreign land. But we are here on this side of heaven for the love of those that Jesus, God's Son, bled and died to save. So we pray for Christians on all sides of these conflicts, that in the midst of their struggle, in the place that God has placed them, they would lead others who do not yet know him to the waters where they too can be born again. Now as Christians, we are not immune from desiring. We are not immune from seeking after security, power, glory, even pleasure in the things of this world. We know that only Jesus can give us this security and pleasure. We know that seeking glory and power actually runs contrary to our call to lay down our lives for others. Yet, we still seek comfort in things that run contrary to our Lord's will. And we still at times seek selfish gain. We're constantly confessing this sin that our Lord's perfect law finds out and uncovers within our own hearts. It's a struggle indeed. Paul actually wrote to Christians who were on the verge of persecution in Rome. He shared that this struggle is very real. And Paul got personal. He even shared that this struggle was real in his own life. He wrote, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus has all the power. He has all the glory, security. And in Jesus is where true pleasure is found, pure pleasure. And in Jesus, he laid aside, he laid aside his glory to become our death. This is Transfiguration Sunday. Today is. And on this Sunday, we see Jesus, the only Son of God. We see him set out for a mission that runs contrary to all humanity's hopes and pursuits. We see him who in himself is glory, lay it aside. He comes down the mountain at the end of the scripture, 
setting his eyes on a hill of shame. A hill from which men actually avert their eyes and flee from, Jesus begins his journey towards. People run for the horror of it all. Jesus walks straight towards it. Our gospel begins. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. Right away, right at the beginning of this passage, Luke is letting us know that what we are about to witness, what we are about to see, is connected with what happened eight days earlier. Eight days earlier, Jesus asked his disciples, who do the crowds say that I am? And this led to varying responses that showed that the crowd thought Jesus was a prophet for the ages. He was listed up there with the greats among the crowd. And this is great. But of course, this is not who Jesus is. Rather, he is the one to whom the prophets pointed to. The disciples knew uh, knew and believed this. So when Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered correctly. He said, you're the Christ of God. Luke then shares that immediately, right after that confession, Jesus begins to teach what the Christ of God was there to do. Jesus said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Now Matthew, when he's writing his account of this, he shared that this message was not received well by the twelve who by their words and actions showed that they were hoping that Jesus would lead them to security, power, glory, and pleasure in in this life. Peter even argued with Jesus about this. Do you remember how Jesus responded? He famously responded to Peter's argument saying, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. And now listen to this, what Jesus said. He said, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Luke didn't include Peter's shame in his account of the Jesus teaching, which came later. But he included these words. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. 
For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. You see, Jesus lays out that the Christian's life is to be a daily return to baptism where he was united to the cross of Jesus. It is a daily confession of all the areas in our lives which we set our, where, where we find that we have actually set our hearts on the things of man and not on the things of God. With this lesson in mind, we return to Jesus, James, and John who went up on the mountain to pray. The scripture reads, as Jesus was was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Let's stop right there. Let's examine this scene, what we see. We see three men going up on the mountain with the one whom they rightly confessed was the Christ of God. They went up on the mountain to pray with him. And as the Christ begins to pray, the men quickly succumb to the pleasure of sleep, heavy sleep. And as they sleep, the glory of Christ illuminates the night. And with him appears the greatest saints of old, Moses and Elijah both radiating from the glory of the Christ. The slumbering disciples are roused to full alertness and recall the speech of the three. Later they recall the speech of the three. Moses and Elijah were talking to Jesus, the Christ of God, about his departure in Jerusalem. They were actually discussing the very event that Jesus shared with his disciples eight days earlier when Jesus said the Son of Man must suffer many things. Yet in the moment, the content of their speech was ignored by the glory of the one who was speaking these words. And as the men, that is, Moses and Elijah, were parting from Jesus, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He didn't know what he was saying. But Peter spoke, and the words he spoke, once again, were not in line with what Jesus was saying. Jesus was speaking of his death, 
his departure, and Peter was speaking of setting up tents of worship on the glory of this mountain, a glory that would ignore the cross to come. A glory that without the cross is actually not possible for him to be a part of. He didn't understand his words, but his words aligned with his original hatred of the cross. The very cross that he would later learn was his connection with the love of God. As Peter was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered this cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. Through Moses, God revealed the, his perfect law that convicts sinners of their sin. Jesus came to fulfill this law for those that it condemns. Elijah was the greatest of the prophets whose purpose was to use this law to point out where men had strayed and to point out the promise of the Christ who would come to take away their, their sin and shame. In Jesus, the law and the prophets find their fulfillment and Jesus alone remains. With Jesus, Emmanuel, God is with us and the Father confirms their work by declaring of Jesus Listen to him. In the scriptures, the law and the prophets meet. In the scriptures, the, the law and the prophets, we meet Jesus. The one who shone his glory on this mountain. The next day, Jesus would come down this mount. And his disciples were to remain silent, not sharing with anyone what they had seen until Jesus would accomplish what he set out to do. The interesting thing about this whole event is what the disciples saw that night is actually what the world aspires to. On that mount they saw power and glory the likes has, has never been seen. On that mount, they were associated with the most powerful being that ever walked the earth. And they had the security of knowing that this person was on their side, making them powerful by association. And on that mount, they had ecstatic pleasure that they did not want to leave. They desired to stay there forever in worship. They wanted to call others to this glory. But Jesus in his glory was speaking of his love for others. 
a love that would lead him to walk up another mountain, Calvary. On that mountain, his face would not shine in glory, but rather his open wounds would bleed with a love that all men need, but few want. On this mountain where God would die, he showed that the truly powerful and glorious one died so that those who would believe in his name can have true security and pleasure that is not fleeting. During this Lenten season that we are about to embark on, we will follow our Lord's journey from the Mount of Transfiguration to the mountain where he would give his life for ours. We will feed upon him with food that truly satisfies. And we place our ears, we will place our ears in a place where we can hear the word of forgiveness that his love affords. We will have actually be having a baptism in our church family during this Lenten season, where another soul will be joined with Christ and our family. We will follow the way of the cross as the world searches for security, power, glory, and pleasure in perishing things. Yet we pray that as we abide in Jesus this Lenten season, we pray that he will bear fruit in our lives and in the lives of all Christians around the world. Bear fruit for the sake of those who are perishing. That no matter where they are, they would come to see with Peter and us that this world cannot give what only Jesus' cross provides. And now may the peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he returns for you. Amen.